In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. I lost both parents when I was little. Uh, my mom when I was about nine years. I lost my dad when I was about 11. Um, life was pretty, pretty tough. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I am Jim Ramos, your host for today's show. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's guest. This guy's gone from extreme personal tragedy to world-changing victory out of poverty. You are not going to believe what God has done to turn this man's mess into his message. Guys, bring your tissue. If you don't have it, go grab a some tissue and sit down. You're going to be in for the ride of your life. Hey, guys, I want to talk to you before we get into our interview with Willie about our man laws. Those are supplied by you, our heroes. When we use yours, if you hit us up, we will send you some swag just to say thank you. So this week's man laws from Jess Lancaster. He says, always buy a good car, good mattress, and good shoes, because if you're not in one, you are in the other. And that is really, really good. Maybe I need to buy a new car. Mine has a measly 180,000 miles on it. So, hey, thank you so much for hitting us up with that, Jess. And I uh, want to move into our hero story. Our hero this week comes from a woman, Kathy, via YouTube. Kathy writes, I love stumbling into your Men in the Arena podcast, and it's refreshing to hear conversations between men who don't cringe or refrain from being honest, real, vulnerable, and genuinely authentic. Kathy, thanks so much for that. We sure appreciate that. We just really believe that. You know, when men get it, everyone wins, and men get it when they are not afraid to admit who they are and what they struggle with. So if you could hit us up along with Jess, hit us up at org. Give us your physical address. We will send you some swag just to say thank you, guys. So, Well, guys, again, I want to say thank you guys for making Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men in the world. That's really exciting, guys. We are blessed and humbled by your support of this ministry. So today I want to bring our guest on, Willie Oma. He's 42 years old. He lives half of the year in Busia, Uganda, with his beautiful wife of nine years, Autumn. Willie bo- was born in Uganda, lost both parents when he was young, was raised by a family and community members, and was supported through Compassion International as a little boy. As an orphan child, Willie was hungry for God to change his community, and we got the opportunity to go to school as an adult, Willie then started Give 
Hope Ministries International, which is an orphanage, school, and ministry in Busia, Uganda, where he now has 444 children in the program. Is it still 444, Willie, or is it more? Uh, 479. 479, 479, and I went on to your website, and um, I was really moved. Your website is www.ghmi.org, and uh, I was really moved. It is very impressive, and you and I have a mutual friend who I think was pretty involved in putting you through school. Is that correct? Yes. And that was through the Leadership Development Program at Compassion International? Yes, sir. And so, how 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 far did you go through school? Like, where did how far did you go? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Uganda, and like you said, I lost both parents when I was little. Uh, my mom, when I was about nine years, I lost my dad when I was about eleven. Um, life was pretty really tough, and uh, we were raised by. Uh, some of the community members. I was in a family of 12 children. Uh, and so uh, during that process, when I got an opportunity to go through Compassion International, I was registered in Uganda. I did go through the program. I uh, was able to go to school in the university uh, in Uganda. And then also I got an opportunity to come to US uh, to go to school in Chicago. Uh, while here, I was speaking for compassion. Mm. So uh, the family that supported me through my school was a, a family from Oregon, Portland, mm-hmm. of Mr. Rick uh, Robinson and the family. I'm forever grateful for, for them and to God for using them to change my life and giving me an opportunity. So, Willie, when you went to Moody, did you finish your... You were at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Is that where you went? Yeah, I was at Moody uh, from 2010 uh, up 2012, uh, February. I, I did not finish. And then I, I had to head back home uh, to begin the orphanage school. Uh, while I was in the U.S. going to Moody, I was speaking for Compassion, raising sponsors and donors for them. Uh, one day I had a trip in New York. I was speaking uh, in one of the events of a quiet fire. It was about 2,000, maybe 500 people. After speaking, uh, two younger men came to the compassion table to sponsor. They were crying. Uh, one was about probably nine years, and the other was about probably 11. And they were crying, and they wanted to sponsor. And that did not go well with my heart. Uh, uh, they did not have enough money. And so the lady on the table emphasized the $35, $37. And then one boy grabbed Fred box. And then the lady emphasized the 37 Then he looked at the friend. The friend also had 10 bucks. Uh, they put 10 bucks, which was about now 30 And the lady still emphasized them with $37. And they said, that's a donation to compassion. Now, when I fly back to Chicago, God began staring up my heart. I began to think of people back home in Uganda, men who were working, who had money, but were doing nothing in terms of alleviating or helping children who are needed in the community. But here I am, I'm speaking to young people 
and giving. And so I, I shared with the, one of my friends uh, who was a, a son to my host family in Colorado Springs about what I was thinking. I was like, I'm thinking to go back home and set an orphanage school. Mm. But if I ask people to give donation back home, they won't be able to do it because the mindset is our sponsors have to be from U.S. or developed countries. But then I was like, if I started a, a program where we have the paying students and not the paying students, such that we have the paying students from the family well off, they are able to take care of these orphans in the program without them thinking through it. Uh, won't that be something that can work out? And we're like, yeah, this is a great idea. So then we started putting it down on board. I had some little money with me while I was going to school here. Uh, that keep that I was given, I was saving it. So when I went back home, I went and bought land. Mm. And, and then I shared my vision with some friends and family members and I started the construction of the orphanage school. Um, and, and that's how we, that's how Give Hope Ministry started in 2012. Uh, wow. Hey, by the way, I want to say congratulations on your 10th anniversary. Oh, thank you. So that, thank yeah, We you. just had our 10th anniversary as well, so we launched our ministries around the same time. So wow. congratulations on that. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you shared earlier in your bio that you, you lost your parents when you were very young. You were 9 years old and 11 years old. Were they... Uh, a part of the civil war, the many deaths in the civil war, or how did your how did your parents die? No, it wasn't part of the civil war. Uh, my parents fell sick. My mom was the one who first fell sick, and then she passed on. And I think my dad was uh, devastated by losing my mom, and mm. then eventually he also fell sick and he passed on. Uh, yeah, that was very devastating for for me, uh, especially after dad dying. I, I did. I, I was just just lost hope. I was just hopeless. Oh. I, I was just like, now what's next? What's gonna happen to me? How am I gonna be able to go to school? Uh, how am I gonna be able uh, to get medication? Uh, it, it was so terrible. Uh, but but God had a big picture and. Uh, that's, that's the same time God provided through compassion and given opportunity. So did you have any siblings? Yes. I, I, had, I was a family of 12 people. Uh-huh. Uh, I had the, uh, two brothers and then one stepbrother. I had the, uh, eight sisters, six sisters, and then two stepsisters. Uh, so we're a family of 12, yes. And so were you guys kept together after your parents died? Uh, by the time my parents passed on, a couple of them, especially the old ones, had already gotten married, the sisters. And, and then it was pretty much uh, me and my other two young siblings that were at home. Uh, so pretty much the rest of them started just getting married off as a way, probably think that was the best option for them. And then, mm-hmm. How did you end up getting connected with Compassion International? I was a, 
uh, attending a school which had Compassion International. Uh-huh. And so they would look at children from vulnerable families, uh, needed children in the community, and register them. And so that's how I got an opportunity and got registered uh, through Compassion. And then you were supported by this friend of mine in Oregon for how many years through school? I, I, I got registered in the program, uh, and the first family that sponsored me through primary to secondary uh, was a family from Michigan. Uh, and then when I was going after finishing advanced level, I they had a program with compassion called leadership development program. Yes, uh, which was taking strictly about by then twenty students in the whole country in a year. So it was a very competitive program. I applied for it, and by God's grace, I got an opportunity through it. And that's when I got a family from Oregon of Mr. Robinson that sponsored me through for three years and then until when I got even the US. Yeah. Okay. I, that's, that's a, an amazing program. And so your experiences inspired you to start this school and you bought the land. So once you bought the land, how, what happened with the building? How did you build the building? How did you raise the funds for the building? Was there a building? Oh, oh well, when I was growing up, uh, I knew the only thing that would break the poverty cycle uh, was through education back home. Mm. And so I, I began to think of, I began to think of other, other, other children who are going through a similar situation that I went through as a little boy growing up. Uh, and uh, when I was done with college back home, I got a job with Compassion as a project director. Uh, what I did, I adopted uh, three kids, uh, one little girl from Kenya and then two boys from Uganda. I started supporting them. But when I got over here in the US, when I was going to school at Moody, uh, that's, that's the time I began to put my thoughts and uh, on the paper. I'm like, how, how do I reach to more children? give them an opportunity that I got. Uh, how, uh, and so when I saved some little money, when I went back home, about land, uh, and then started the construction, I, I ran out of money when I was uh, on the roofing. I had put up the timbers and I did have the end sheets. <laughs> and what I did, by faith, I went and comforted my elder brother. I'm like, hey, I need tim- uh, uh, the end sheet. And he's like, I don't have money. I'm like, well, uh, I, I can't let the, the timbers just dry. He's like, so what I suggested, I'm like, can you sell your car? Because he had a car. I'm like, can you sell your car and then give me the money? Uh, a roof. He, that, he is not a Christian, but that was uh, something that was very hard for me to ask. But I had no choice. So when I told him, he thought through it. He kept quiet, walked away. After two days, he called me back. He's like, hey, take this car, go sell it. So, so tell us about Give Hope 
Ministries International, what makes it different than other uh, schools or orphanages? With Give Hope Ministry, we have uh, the orphans and the vulnerable children in the program who are taken care of by the paying students. So we provide a very high quality education school in the country. And then we begin to recruit children from wealthy families who come on board. And that tuition help us to run the daily operation of the school. Uh, stuff like uh, the meals for the children, uh, the accommodation, the utilities, paying utilities, uh, paying the, the staff and administration. All that is the money that we raise locally. Uh, but at the same time, uh, taking care of the orphans who would not be able to get uh, this kind of high-quality education in the country. Uh, the other difference also is the, oh, all our staff and leadership is 100% Ugandans. Uh, 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 and then also as a school and a ministry, we, we don't have any overhead. Uh, we don't have any paid staff in the U.S. or, or anywhere. And so all the money that we raise in terms of donation uh, goes directly to the child. And so that, that's what makes us very unique from other ministries and yeah. schools in the country. So the people who are on your staff are support, they're raising their own support? Uh, the, the people that were on the staff here, we, we, the, the volunteer, including myself. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's why while I'm here, I go out look for a job to work, to be able to pay for my living and also take care of my family. So you, so your work at Give Hope Ministries International is all volunteer, and you have another job, or do you raise support from people? I, I, have, a, I have a job. I do road construction. I've been working with Hobeck uh, Glenn uh, as a laborer on road construction of Last month, uh, last year, in October, I changed from Hobeka to Lindy Paving uh, Company. And so the people that I'm working with, I work with them during summer. And then also during that time, uh, I use that opportunity also to create awareness and fundraise for the ministry. And when I'm laid off, I head back to Uganda uh, to begin implementing the projects that we would have plan for that particular physical year. Wow. And then you're in America for five months out of the year, you said? Yeah. And you're, and you're raising funds here? At the same time you, working. But you're not working. Are you working on the roads in America then? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Holy cow. That is impressive. And then 100% of your staff are Ugandan? Yes. But, but Busi is on the border of Uganda and Kenya. Is there a reason why you don't have Kenyans on staff? Um, usually, because of being on the border, this the restrictions in terms of employment and all. I that, gotcha. The restriction on that. Uh, but we have been hiring the kindergarten uh, teachers from Kenya. Uh, the reason why we have been preferring to hire 
the early childhood development program teachers from Kenya is that program is more developed than the Ugandan program. Okay. Uh, and so we would prefer to hire them from there. But then these other teachers, uh, right from primary one to primary seven, would entirely be uh, Ugandans. So on your website, Willie, it says that you have Kenyan and Ugandan students. So you have roughly 480 students at your school. How many of those are Kenyan? Uh, Kenyans will be probably like 1%. Oh, so most, almost overwhelmingly Ugandan children. Yeah. And so the parents, the parents who are paying for their children to go to your school, are, do they realize they're paying for the poor students who can't afford tuition as well? Um, it, we don't tell them, uh, but, but we put it out on the website. It's there. So if they go on the website, they'll be able to read it out. Yeah, but we, but we don't tell them, and the reason also why they don't pay attention to that is because of the quality education that that children get. Uh, so they make comparison with the other schools in the area or in the in the region, and then so they they they, they don't really don't pay attention to that. Oh man, that is such a beautiful model that you're using. That how did you come up with that model? What what? What was the background of you di- discovering this model? I was I was looking at the sustainability, uh, or in case anything happened with the donor community, then what happens? Uh, and then also I was also looking at how do we solve problems by ourselves, uh, because I there, there are resources in the country, but the problem is the leadership and stewardship. And so I wanted to model that out and teach children to know that, hey, sometimes you don't need to look very far away for a solution. Sometimes the solution or the answers to what you're going through, God has already provided. You just need to open eyes to them. And so that that was just the basis. That was the basis. So I understand some of your children come from families and their parents are paying the tuition. So maybe families with some affluence What's the background of the rest of your children? Um, so children, we have children that we pick up. We have a uh, school bus that we pick up children in the morning, drop them. So usually those are children from wealthy families. So pick them up in the morning, drop them to the school. Then in the evening, we drop them back to their homes. Now we have the orphans, uh, and needed vulnerable children that will give accommodation on the on the campus. So with them, they're 24-7 on campus. Uh, so the background will be also, will be in terms of to avoid st- uh, being discriminated. We try to work on the issue of the dress code uh, where we come up with the uniform uh, for the school. And then also we, uh, we, we give uh, four meals to everyone across the board, uh, those who are paying and those who are not paying. So you know, these ones are not discriminated or are not stigmatized, those who are not paying. Uh, and then we try to put more emphasis on, uh, on, the, on the academics. Uh, uh, so, the, but also some children come from... Um, Muslim background, especially oh. like the area that we're in, 
there are many Muslims, uh, but also we tell the parents that we are Christian-founded school. And so we'll be able to share your children with the gospel of Jesus. Because it's not just about them getting a, the head knowledge uh, or getting good life here on the earth. And then when they pass on, they lose that soul. So we care more uh, about that spiritual development as well. So we share with the children the gospel. Uh, we invite them to Christ. Uh, we pray with them. Uh, we lead them in devotion on Sundays. We have fellowships with them. Uh, evenings after evening studies and homework, we do pray with the kids and then we head out to, to, to bed. So um, we have had the complaints, some complaints from some parents uh, <laughs> who are Muslims. Yeah. And they'll, they'll be Good like, hey, I'm, yeah. Hey, Congratulations. Bring, yeah. Hey, we're bringing the student to you here. But we don't want to teach them about the religion. But, but then we'll be like, hey, we are not teaching them about religion, but we're going to share with them the gospel because that's who we are. Uh, but because of the high quality education that we're offering, that compels them to bring their children to our school. So we also use that opportunity to share with them the gospel. Man, I wish our educators today would do the same thing. I'm not going to tell your kid about religion, but I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what percentage of your school is Muslim? What percentage are, are orphans? Uh, the, the orphans will be probably about 30, 20 percent. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Muslims could be probably uh, 10 percent. Uh, and then the rest are from Christian families, but families that don't practice their faith. Ah, but they're still Christian, but they don't practice their faith. So you're okay. gonna be able to share with them uh, Christ and introduce to them to begin uh, to pray, read their Bibles, uh, fellowship, and stuff like that. This is just an amazing model, and what God is using in the life of a, a young man who was an orphan is unbelievable to me. It's it's just wonderful. So. Can you talk to us about the impact HIV AIDS is having on your community and your school? Especially Busia, Busia being located on the border, there's a lot of trade going on. And Uganda being a landlocked country, we depend on most of our products from Kenya, uh, uh, the support that come in the country. Uh, and so as a result of that, because of the uh, uh, the business booming around the, the, the town, very many people travel from different parts of the country to come to do the business. Uh, but as a result, as they do that also, there's a high rate of HIV AIDS spread in the area. So we, we lost a lot of uh, parents, uh, of people in uh, that part of the country due to HIV AIDS. So the preference has been really high. Uh, so the church is doing its best uh, with reaching out the gospel, teaching people on behavior change and once they embrace Christ to live a holy life. And 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 yes, uh, the rate are dropping. Uh, we're seeing that in terms of the death rate that 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 are being recorded are not as high as 
when we started the school. So, yeah, it, it, it the data rate has been high on that border. Is it like 30, 35% of adults? Uh, right now, I'm not very sure of the statistics, but probably could be around there. Wow. It, it was really pretty high. Wow. So you have you have HIV AIDS, you have a high percentage of poverty, you have uh, 25% of your school uh, comprised of, of orphan children. What are you doing? How are you breaking? I know this is I know you're passionate about this, Willie. How mm -hmm. are you breaking this poverty cycle? What are uh, some things you're seeing? What are some things you're doing? Oh, uh, the, the, the things that we are doing intentionally, uh, one of them has been, as a church, we started an income-generating project for the women mm. in the church. Where I would loan them money, uh, it would be about 100 bucks, to start up a small income-generating activities. Uh, and then also to see that grow uh, and improve on their livelihood and their income. But also, uh, we have been able to give employment opportunities to some of the uh, the community members. Like, if we're doing any implementing any project, construction project, we employ all the community members. Uh, there is one one lady who her husband passed on, and we hired her as our cook. As a result, she was able to take her children to school because she's getting a, uh, an income. Uh, we're also seeing children, our product, children are going through uh, our ministry, progress academically in the country. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, there's one student now who is going to school in California right now doing criminal law. Uh, this was the pioneers of our program when we started it. So we've been able to see God do uh, miracles that people who don't believe they exist. I've been able to see that. I've been <laughs> wow. able to see that in the lives of many families and children. And that's what motivates uh, us to do what we're doing. You get up seeing a life that has been changed by the grace of God. And, and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> God, you wow. did it. That's yeah. awesome. So when you said you're giving uh, women income generating money for to generate income with a job, are these moms of your students? Uh, some of them are. Some of them are moms that are attending church fellowships, but they don't have children in the program. So we, what we're targeting was children, moms with low income. Uh, and want to improve on their livelihood. So we'll give them small pickup, uh, and then they return that money. It's a revolving fund. We'll give you about for six months, bring it back, we'll pass it to someone else. And uh, that's what I've been doing. So what's so how long are these kids in your school? To what age? And then what's the next step after that? Um, we have children as as three years, uh, and then up to about some graduate from our program when they're 12, some graduate from our program when they're 13. 
and then they joined secondary school. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, so talk to me, I know you, you, all of you are volunteers there, but on your website, you had something I thought was really interesting, especially when working with orphan children. Can you talk to me about your foster parent program? Um, a program we we developed housing units uh, on campus. So the housing units, our model was to have a parent take care of each housing unit. Uh, uh, have about seven, uh, five children in each housing unit taken care of by a Christian family. Uh, uh, some of them we have asked the teachers uh, taking care of these units. Uh, so the, the purpose is for these adults to model, uh, mentor, inspire the student into living uh, a Christian, fulfilled Christian mature adults when they grow up. Uh, and then the construction that we just finished now, we have the accommodation facilities uh, on the third level. So we have the Metron who takes care of them, uh, all the girls. Uh, so that's how we have been doing it. So how many, so you have 479 students. How many of those students, did you say 35 students are in housing? How many students are in these housing uh, units? We, we have about uh, uh, 79 who are, wow. who, are, who, are, who are residing on campus. Wow, so 20% 20, 20 of your, camp, your students are living there full-time under the yeah. care of foster parents. Yes. Wow, that, uh, is, that, is, that is unbelievable. That is an amazing model. That has got to be a massively life-changing model. We, we, we're trusting God to see, see it. And well, one of the things that we're thinking and praying about is we've had a lot of invitations from other poor part of the country, people inviting us to start other campuses. But we have been slow uh, just to see how this works out, uh, how it is implemented before we start up another campus. So that's the direction we're thinking now. Wow. So, so, so Willie, personally, what is a significant lesson you've learned so far from all this? Oh, uh, trusting God. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it has been, I, I, I used to leave to read scriptures when I was growing up. Uh, the scripture says they just shall live by faith. Yeah. And for some reason, without experiencing it sometimes doesn't make a lot of sense but i've seen it i've seen it uh, i'll give you an example one was the studying this construction this classroom block i, I brought shared with the board member that we needed to build this structure have more classrooms have more accommodation facilities for the orphans that was costing us about uh $225,000. Oh, whoa. But when I, was, when I was sharing that, we never had money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so everyone was like, well, well, where do we get the money? I'm like, hey, we have to believe God. We have to trust him. 
And then they're like, how, how long is it going to take us? I'm like, depending on how long God is going to provide, that's how long it's going to take us. But, well, of course, some people were on board, some people were hesitant because they were not <laughs> sure about how we're going to be able to raise these funds. And that's something that God has blown my mind. In three years, God provided us with those resources. And it's done. It, it's done now. Uh, there's one time I had a trip to come to U.S. to fundraise. But I never had any money on me. Uh, not even for the air ticket. So while I was there, I had a friend from Wisconsin. She gives me a call. I was like, hey, you just go back to Uganda. You don't have a job. How are you surviving? I'm like, God is providing. And she's like, hey, I've just sent you uh, 1,000 uh, box. Uh, use it whatever you want. And I once I got that money, I was like, hey, this is for the ticket. Immediately I bought the ticket, I fly in the US. By the time I was coming, that's all the money I used on the ticket. I never had anything else left in my pocket. But I wasn't even sure I'm coming to US, what am I going to be doing? I wasn't sure about that. But I was like, this is how God is leading me. I'm going to listen to him. And yes, it has been a very humbling experience seeing God do what he has done. So I've learned just to trust him, just to trust yeah. him, just to depend on him and let him have his way. Let him have his way. That's just so impressive, man. So our listeners come from all over the world. How can people listening to this podcast support the work of Give Hope International? Um, we are not just looking for money. We need prayer partners, people who would pray with the children, uh, people who would pray with those who are involved in ministering to these children to be able to lead them where God wants them. But also we need people who would advocate uh, for, for this ministry, people who will be able to speak for children that we are ministering to. Uh, we need volunteers, people who, especially from the U.S., people who, who come with talents and skills to supplement on the skills of the teachers that are in Uganda. And um, that, that would be really great uh, to have people who, who will stand with us in prayer. That would be great. So if I'm a teacher in America, or if I'm a man or a woman in America, I can come to Give Hope International and teach? I thought that was only for Ugandan people. We how how had, does that work? Well, had the, we have short-term and long-term volunteers who come oh. to help us. Oh, uh, okay. People who come on board, uh, their skills and talents that our teachers don't have because of the institutions that we have in the country. Yes. Like uh, reading skills, writing skills to the children, English language. Uh, so those have been areas that have been helped greatly, greatly. So, so I could, oh, okay. So I could come over to Uganda as a short-term teacher. Yeah. You, you can come and, and, and be part of us. Oh, uh, that's, or you could not be a teacher, but it could be we are maybe implementing a project, a construction project, and you come mm -hmm. just along with that. That would be great. Or 
you would come and be like hey maybe do a medical trip that were uh because most of the diseases that some of the students go through that immunable diseases uh that needs antibiotics and stuff like that so probably come and then be able to minister to them in any way that god impresses in your heart and depending on how god has uh gifted you wow so when you say come and pray with the children are you saying you come and pray with them there or is there some online thing somebody could do to interact with a child uh the, the interaction of the child we we have uh, been children writing letters to some of the people who support us yes that has been that's ongoing uh but the prayer that we're asking is the uh, people in their homes uh people without prayer groups at church uh, uh that that would be great or uh people sharing this story with the their church or their prayer groups and stuff like that so can a person in america let's say sponsor a specific child in the school we we are we we, we are not doing the child sponsorship okay uh, the reason why we don't want this child sponsorship is because it creates a bond that lasts for long and yet our model wanted to be self-sustaining so but we can attach you to a child you can be a love sponsor right to that particular child if you want that that would be great but not entirely to make donation to that particular child okay uh so any donation that we raise it helps us with the capital investment stuff like classrooms uh like right now we need to buy uh another bus school bus because of the capacity of uh we are spending about 4 hours on the road dropping the kids back to their homes so we want to cut on that so any money that we raise right now will be going towards that also we want to work on the parking lot for the uh for the cars uh that come at the school So the donation that we raise help us with those kind of capital investment that benefits every child in the program. But oh, we can attach you to a child uh have a, a write a letter and then the child responds to you. Yes, we have been doing that as well. Now how much money do you need to raise for the bus? Uh the bus we are looking at around 25,000. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. We might have a listener who's willing to do it. We don't know. There might be somebody out there. So I went on to your website today. to www.ghmi.org you can also to- you can also type in give hope international it'll take you to your website and i went and i subscribed to your newsletter mm-hmm. and so i i went and did that it was great and so i just want to encourage every guy listening you know every every podcast guys you know i give you a boots on the ground action item what i want you to do i want you to go to this website subscribe to their newsletter and just pray about your involvement with this great ministry that is desperately needed from a man who was an orphan and now is pastoring parenting and loving orphans and this is just a beautiful ministry guys so just uh, pray about uh your involvement and uh maybe write Willie a note of encouragement and make sure you be praying for Willie as well so thanks so much for coming on the show Willie I sure appreciate your heart and all you're doing for God's kingdom oh thank you so much Jim for having me um 
I'm really grateful and everyone else listening to us. Uh, thank you for your time. And may God bless you. You too, brother. Hey, guys, make sure you guys head on over to our website, manarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. That is a free resource for you. While you're there, click the Join Our Program button and get involved in one of our many international virtual teams. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.